Um, is there, are there any visitors here today? Just, okay. All right, welcome everybody. Um, I, I really you know, love this theme of shine Jesus light. We're like the moon, we can reflect the sun. And so that's what we need to do is always reflect the sun. Today, I took the last one of when people need help, shine Jesus light. And I thought about having it like, what can I do or how can I help? And I thought, how can I help is much more personal personal than what can I do. People can tell us what they need us to do, but we don't always do it. But when you know that you're helping somebody, it takes on a whole new meaning. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, when he says, let your good deeds shine so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Jesus loved the children. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Don't push them away. Vacation Bible School is a chance for our children to come here and learn and to be happy. And I, I, I really think that some of us need to get up and move before church. And so for the children, I would love to see us you know, get, get into the whole um, waving of the hand. Maybe they need to come up here on a weekly basis and show us the moves. I tried to do the moves, and I realized I got a little sore in my back, but anyway... I digress, but it's the children that bring the enthusiasm so many times. What can one person do? What can one person do in a world all around them? What difference can one person make? Well, I think that they can make a big difference, if not in the world, at least in the areas of the people whose lives they come into contact with. Every one of us has the chance and the opportunity to actually change someone's life for the better and change the history that can be written. Now, we have to be ready to help, but there's something that we need to do after we find out what, what we need to help. We need to act. So today, I'm going to take a look at things that we can do in our own world to help. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Lord, I ask that you please send your Holy Spirit. May, the, may we hear what you want us to hear. And please, may we walk away with your blessing, lifting up uh, Lucas and his family. Father, um, please help him in his, in his uh, fight against cancer. In your name I ask, amen. So, Jesus loved the little children, and, and what is better than seeing a little child, eyes wide open, really excited? In fact, the school is ready to start over here, and, and I heard this story about little Johnny. Now, little Johnny came in after, at the end of the summer, the teacher, he was in second grade, the teacher said, okay, I just want you to tell me about your summer vacations. And so little Johnny was like, me, me, me. And so she says, okay, Johnny, what did you do over your summer vacation? And Johnny says, hey, me and my dad, we went fishing and we caught 100 catfish. Each one of them was like four feet long and 100 pounds. Now the teacher said, now Johnny, you know that camp. Oh, yes, it is true. Big, four feet long, 100 pounds, man. We must have caught like 100 of them. And she says, now Johnny, if I told you that a big grizzly bear came out of nowhere to attack me and some little dog came up, bit him on the nose, flipped that bear around, and the bear ran off. Would you believe me? He says, yes, ma'am, that's my dog. 
for kids, nothing is impossible. They see the world differently than what adults do. We get a little pessimistic. So today, I want to take a look at several kids, if you will, who have made a difference. So the first thing that I want to look at is, how can I help? And one of the first things I always think of is the scout's rule of be prepared. Now, when they say be prepared, it's usually have a knife, have things with you to be prepared, make a campfire. But in this instance, being prepared has more to do with your, your spirit, your inner DNA of being prepared. When opportunity presents itself, it is too late to start preparing. Some people think, well, when I, when I get to that next position or when I get to that, I'll work on it. No, it's too late to do that. Ninth century BC, there was a young slave girl. She was taken by a really bad guy in the army and enslaved. She could have been bitter. She could have been really upset. But through her, God used her in a way that he came back and told the story later. We all know the story about this slave girl. Her name, we don't know her name. I tried to Google it a lot and it never came up. But she's referred to as a slave girl who worked in Naaman's house. Now Naaman was a warrior, battle-tested, hardened warrior. And in one of the raids and in one of the attacks on Israel, he took this slave girl into his house to do work for him. She noticed that he had leprosy. And rather than saying, oh, please let him die of leprosy, she said, you know what? I know somebody that is a prophet of God, and with God's help, he can heal you. Naaman listened, goes to Elisha. Elisha says, dip seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman didn't really want to do that. His, his friends, though, his uh, his peeps, as you would call them, said, look, if, if he would have asked you to do some big thing, you would do it. This is something small. Through that something small, when Naaman went in and he came up the seventh time, his leprosy was gone. In fact, the Bible says that his skin was like a young man's skin. Okay? This healing was the result of a young girl who was a slave who introduced to her, to, to, this, to this person that owned her, to an area that he would have never known. Through him, through her, he learned about Christ. In fact, Jesus referred to him 900 years later when he said, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, yet not one of them was cleansed only Naaman the Syrian. When we think of that, we, th we, we can often think of really contagious diseases, COVID, right? When we think of things that are very contagious, people would not touch you if you had leprosy. They didn't want to be around you if you had leprosy. And so we can think that in all of Israel, there was probably a, a lot of different people that had leprosy, and yet none were healed except for Naaman. And he was only healed because of a young slave girl that actually said, 
here's what you can do. Truth be told, many of us, most of us, I know for me at least, we have some sort of leprosy. We have some sort of thing that, that needs, to, needs to be healed inside. We need to have comfort and we need to be healed inside, but it takes, sometimes it takes a kid or a child to bring that out in us. The other thing that, that this reminds me of is Jesus' command to love your enemies and do good to those that wrong you. A little girl changed the course of history for Naaman, which was brought out in Jesus 900 years later. The second thing, besides being prepared, is take the initiative. So often, we go about our business and we think, oh, you know, I'm not going to see how I can help. I've got other things to do. I'm too busy. Instead of stopping and saying, how can I help? What can I do? Actions speak louder than words. And for this, for this one, I want to refer you to a young girl about seven years old who was the ultimate babysitter. This young girl, um, she was living in poverty, and her parents, you know, they were good. They, they loved God, and they had another little baby, so she watched over her baby brother. Now, we know the story. She ended up being in the bulrushes when little baby Moses was put in the boat. Think of it, a seven-year-old child wanting to watch after her little brother. The mom goes down, puts him in, because babies cry and they coo, and, and, and so they didn't want him to be killed because that's what the dictator was going to have done to all the baby boys. She watches over. A seven-year-old watches over. Now, I know when, when we had our second child, our first one, Robert, was like, Mama, Daddy, he needs to sleep in my room so that I can watch over him. Amazing to me that a three-year-old would say that, but what's more amazing to me is that a seven-year-old would be willing to stand outside in the heat, in the bulrushes with all the little bugs flying around to watch her brother. What happened? We know what happened. We know that Pharaoh's daughter came down, saw him, drew him out of the water. Now, the child, being very smart, I would think, says, hey, guess what? I can help with that. I know somebody who can help raise the child and then give him to you once he's weaned. Who thinks of that? A child. Because nothing, nothing is impossible to a child. It's like imagination station. You can do what you, you can do anything. What happened? Through her actions, a nation was saved and brought out of slavery. You know, we often say Moses and God brought people out of slavery, but I believe that God uses people of all ages, including children, to help lead us to where we need to be. If that weren't the case, we would never have known about Miriam. She was the first one, by the way, referenced in the Bible as being a prophetess. So again, when we look at this, we think about Here's a seven-year-old child. She, what, her actions saved the nation. We may not see instant results. She didn't know at the time that what she was doing would ultimately help lead them out of Egypt, but she did it out of the love of her heart. 
when we act, when we take the initiative, it shouldn't be out of what's in it for me and by the way, I expect you know, long-term great results. No, it's about the other people. It's about people who you love and who you can do things for and who you can help. About eight or nine years ago, I was on a plane flying from New Jersey to Chicago, and I sat down in my seat, and, and my kids always say I, they feel bad for anybody that sits next to me because I like to strike up a conversation. My wife calls me the male version of Oprah Winfrey, for those of you that remember Oprah. I just like to ask questions and just talk, you know, until they put the little earbuds in, and then I realize it's silent time. I just started talking to this lady, and, and she was really, really depressed. I mean, as soon as we took off, the drinks started coming to her. And so I, I asked her, I said, how are things going? And she opened up her life and just said, they're awful. They're, she started crying, they're awful. I mean, what am I supposed to do now that I've opened Pandora's box? But she explained that all of the hardships that she had gone through and everything that had happened, and over the course of about an hour and a half to two-hour flight, when we were talking at the end of that, I just asked her, do you mind if I pray with you before we land and just know that, know that somebody else cares about you? And she said, I would love to have that. And as we were getting off the plane, she said, thank you. Thank you for letting me talk to you. It's a stranger on a plane. It doesn't take much, but it just helps for people to know that you're there to listen. You don't have to change the world, but you can certainly help one person be a change in their life. The third thing that I think that we need to take a look at is being intentional. Now, what do I mean by being intentional? How does being intentional help people when they need help? Well, you have to be intentional by looking for those opportunities. You need to look for the opportunities and they'll open themselves up to you. First, you have to start. You have to be consistent. This morning, we talked in, in Sabbath school about Peter and how he was, you know, kind of inconsistent. And, and I tend to be like a Peter. I tend to sometimes strike first and then ask questions later. I tend to get grumpy and then think, oh, I shouldn't be. However, if we start to think about what can we do, the ultimate in consistency was Jesus. The ultimate in commitment is Jesus. He shows us that you can always be consistent. Daniel was consistent in his life. He prayed every day. He had that connection with God. And look at what happened in his life with all the things that happened, whether it was the lion's den or whether it was people that were bearing false witness. Peter said that he would never, never deny Christ, and yet he did. And then afterwards he realized, I need to stay plugged in to Jesus. Think about being intentional. Rosa Parks. Sitting on a bus, she was tired, her feet hurt. She wasn't thinking about what she was able to do. She was just tired. But she kept her place on the bus, and it started a movement. 1982, Anne Herbert coined a phrase and later wrote, about, wrote a book that was the same name. Now, before I share this name with you, um, I want to let you know that in 1987, 
Princess Diana shook the hand of a man who had AIDS. That was a very big deal because back in 1987, there were a lot of thoughts as to, I can catch it even if I'm just around it, let alone touch. Think about it, it's almost like leprosy. And yet here was royalty reaching out her hand. She set the tone for people to take a different look at what was going on. Back to Ann Herbert, what did, what did she do? She initiated the Random Acts of Kindness and later wrote a book on it in 1993. In 1995, Denver, Colorado became the first official Random Acts of Kindness Day. Now, if you haven't heard of it, it's where you do a random act of kindness, okay? Pretty clear and simple. Um, in 2017, I was in a Starbucks drive-thru. I went to pay, and the person said, oh no, the person in front of you paid for your order. Really? Why didn't I order more? Hmm. And, and they said, no, it's Random Acts of Kindness Day. Now, I wasn't aware of that there was actually day. I mean, I, Hallmark makes up a lot of days, but this was like a real thing. So I said, oh, wow, thank you. And, they, and then, the, then the barista said, by the way, do you want to pay for the order behind you? <laughs> okay, sure, I'll do that. It was like three times as much as what my order was. But it's a random act of kindness. Um, so in 1995, th that was started. Nine years later, in 2004, Random Act of Kindness Day had made it all the way to New Zealand. That's how things start. Again, this is not rocket science. You start with one thing. You take the initiative. You're intentional with what you do. Today, I don't know how many of you know this, um, but apparently, uh, I don't know why, maybe it was a year ago or so, um, a, a lady, I think it was during COVID, a lady started leaving little ducks on Jeeps. Okay, I read this. My brother-in-law sent me a little black duck, which I don't have a Jeep, but, I, but that was the reason why. Apparently, this lady thought, just to cheer people up, I'm gonna put a little duck of the color of their Jeep on the Jeep. It's called Jeeping, Jeep ducking, whatever. This has been going on, and like hundreds of thousands of people are now getting into it. I'm thinking th this was something just to bring happiness during the pandemic, and it's turned into this big culture event. It's something small, it's something consistent, and it's something that is being talked about. So, question is, how do you start? Better question is, how do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time, okay? Small, something small. In nature, there's this very small bug, an eighth of an inch to a half an inch bug. The damage it can do is unbelievable. In fact, the damage that this bug does is a lot more than many of the natural disasters combined. Anybody know what it is? Termite. Termite. Do you realize that every year 600,000 homes are destroyed by termites? Every year $5 billion is spent 
on these because of the results of the termites. They take little tiny bites. You don't see them, but soon your house starts to crumble. Now, I don't want anybody to go on out there and start taking and chewing through homes, but what I'm saying is it takes something small, something small to start that spark that can light a fire that can actually help change more than just one person. Change is inevitable, and growth is optional. We're going to change. We change over time. I look at my Facebook picture, which my wife put on for me, and she, put, you know, she managed it when I think I was 40 or 35 or something, and I got a lot of laughs because my Facebook picture is when I was 20. Um, uh, you know, we change over time. We look, at, we look at how we looked back then and what we did a while ago, but growth is optional. Are we growing at the same time as we're changing? Are we learning? Are we understanding where and what we can do and how we can be an inspiration to others? I look at the, I look at the kids and I think they're our future and sometimes I get scared, but all the time I'm optimistic because I see the energy, I see the passion, I see how much they are looking at this and saying, the world isn't just my oyster, the world is something that I can actually have an impact on. How can we each make a difference? One thing that I kind of want to wrap up with is that we always need to focus on the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Now, many of you are sitting there saying, well, yeah, duh, what does that mean, right? Jonah, the prophet that ran, the prophet that was in the belly of the fish, the prophet that, that went in and told Nineveh, you're going to be overrun uh, in 40 days. It was kind of like the NBA shot clock where they knew they had to change. They changed. They changed. He goes up on the hill and he's looking over Nineveh and he, what does he want? He wants it to be overthrown. He hated Ninevites. He wanted it to be overthrown, right? That was his picture. And when God didn't do that, Jonah blames God. Wait, why? You told me. You told me to go in here. You told me to do this. I did that. And now I knew you were good and I knew you were going to do that. And now look at that. Jonah lost sight of the big picture. The big picture was Jonah, through his actions, saved 120,000 people. He saved a generation. Now, the next generation, 100 years later, didn't fare so well. But when we look at Jonah, we often say, well, why would you complain, right? I mean, there's no reason to complain. You saved 120,000 people. And the Bible says animals as well. Jonah lost focus of what was important. What was important wasn't the destruction or the overthrow of the city. What was important was through his actions. The king of the, of the city, the king of the, 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 the country says, we all need to change. We all need to change. And they fasted and they prayed and God spared them. Don't lose sight of the big thing. We're starting a new school year soon coming up over here. And it's amazing, I was, in, uh, I was, I was uh, preaching in Minnetonka, Minnesota last week, and before, uh, before I got up, they were having a report on the school. 
And the school, when, when we were there, it got down to maybe 24 to 27 students, right? And it moved from a big building to a smaller building. And it started to pick back up. And three years ago, there were 63 students, I think. In three years, the school doubled. They've now got 122 students going to the school. Amen? Okay, just, just wanted to... Uh-huh, doubled in three years. And when I got up to speak, I said, this is amazing. The school doubled. Why can't we double our congregation in three years? What do we have to do? We have to change. We have to think about things differently. We have to make sure that we are representing Christ, his light. Let Jesus' light shine through us. Let's shine the light to help bring people in. Man, there are a lot of people today that sit at home and they watch it, watch the service, and that's fine, but we, we need each other. Amen. We need that fellowship. We're not created in a silo. We're created to be with each other. God walked with Adam and Eve. I mean, to have that presence is phenomenal. I can't imagine what it would be like to have God here walking side by side. But I have to think that if God was right here and you could see him, that people would actually come into this church a lot faster. The church is a, is a hospital for sinners, and that's why I'm here. When I'm, when I'm in church, I take notes because I know that God is going to speak to me one way or another. How can I help? Be prepared, take the initiative, be intentional and consistent. Start, even if it's small. Keep the main thing the main thing and focus on the big picture. The thing that we have to recognize is that we were created for a purpose. We were designed for excellence and for helping others and bringing people together. It's our responsibility, and I don't want to be standing in front of God when he returns and say, I'm sorry, Lord, I just didn't know anybody needed help. We need to be open to helping. We need to be open to bringing people in. We need to love everyone. Today is our day of rest, but even in our day of rest, it's also a day for us to be witnesses to others. Just before, uh, back when I was in Sabbath school, I got a text from some people that I play racquetball with, and they said, hey, we're playing racquetball at 11 o'clock. Can you come and play? I said, no, I'm preaching. And they said, wait, you're preaching? Where? And I said, Madison Seventh-day Adventist Church. Next time I see them, which will be probably tomorrow or Monday night, who knows, but I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of questions. Again, this isn't something that I think I need to go beat people over the head with, but letting the light shine through me, let Jesus' light shine. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for bringing us together today again. And Lord, I just ask that you please bless us 
as we go out into the world this week, may we let your light shine through us. May we take examples from the children here today, and may we be enthusiastic, excited, and ready to go, and then bring us back next week. In your name I ask, amen.